Hey friends, this is Linda. Thanks again for tuning into Calling Water, where we look at a passage of scripture so that we can reflect on what it means and what it might call us to do about it. I just want to take a second to remind everyone to please subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening from. And if it's Apple, go ahead and leave a rating, preferably five stars, so we can continue to expand our reach. In today's episode, In Jesus' Honor, we're looking at the story of Jesus being anointed with perfume in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, and how we can likewise honor Jesus with our devotion and actions. Let's get started. To understand today's text in John chapter 12, we have to go back a chapter to chapter 11. Now, Jesus had gotten word that a close friend, Lazarus, had gotten very sick and likely died not long after the messengers departed to give Jesus this message. Jesus and his disciples then returned to Bethany, which is where Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha lived. And we learn from the passage that Jesus returned at great personal risk because people had tried to stone him there before. Even so, he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and went to them anyway. By the time he arrives, though, Lazarus had already been dead for four days, and people from neighboring towns were coming to pay their respects. But Jesus, though he does weep in this passage, didn't come to Bethany to mourn. He tells the sisters to have the stone rolled away from the mouth of the tomb, And now his sister, Martha, is concerned, not by his order, but by the odor that would emanate from her brother's rotting corpse. But the stone is rolled away anyway, and Jesus commands a dead man to walk out of his tomb. And he does. Now, this event turned out to be a polarizing one for the Jews at the time. Some who were there saw what Jesus did and believed, while others saw what Jesus did and considered him to be a threat to the Jewish people. So this latter group began the plot to kill Jesus, which led to Jesus retreating and staying out of the public eye for a while because the religious leaders had urged everyone to turn him in if they saw him. So Jesus was essentially on the run when today's Bible story took place. Jesus is back in Bethany at the home of Mary, Martha, and the newly resurrected Lazarus. And John chapter 12, verse 2 tells us, Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Now, this wasn't just any social gathering. This was a special dinner prepared in Jesus' honor. That means he was the guest of honor. This is an important detail because what happens next will seem less out of place when we remember that this party was in fact for Jesus. Verse 3 says, Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now just pause for a second and ask yourself, 
What part of that scene is the most upsetting or peculiar to you? Let me read that again. The Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, you may not agree with me, which is totally okay. But for me, the thing that stood out to me was just how close this woman was to someone else's feet. That is an intimate distance, isn't it? But not only that, she proceeded to rub that someone's feet with her own hair, absorbing into her hair not just the smell of the perfume, but whatever latent odor and dirt was on his feet. But this is ancient Palestine. Women and servants were expected to do demeaning tasks like washing someone's feet. So no one says anything or finds it out of the ordinary. The only one who speaks out is Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would later betray Jesus. And his objection was this, as we find in verse 5. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. So according to Judas, the offense here is not that Mary poured perfume on Jesus' feet. It's that she poured expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. Judas only saw a wasted opportunity instead of someone's display of loving devotion. The narrator of this book goes on to tell us in verse 6 that he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. First of all, did you know that Jesus and the disciples had a communal money bag? But what's more surprising is that Judas was left in charge of this bag. Presumably, the funds collected were to help provide for themselves and also help the poor. John seems to add this little detail in to inform the reader that, in retrospect, they should have known that he was the bad seed all along. But in this specific moment in time, no one is none the wiser about what Judas had been up to behind the scenes. So on the outside anyway, it appears that everyone's primary concern is that Mary had just wasted this incredibly valuable perfume on someone's feet. Except it wasn't just anyone she had anointed that evening. Jesus responds in verses 7 through 8, Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, we don't know if Mary knew that Jesus would be crucified on a cross and buried in a tomb similar to that of her brother in about a week, but it seems Mary had chosen to do this as an expression of gratitude for bringing her brother back and as a way of pledging herself to serving and following Jesus. This is perfume she had probably saved up for a very long time, a bottle she didn't even use for her own brother when he died. Remember how Martha was saying how awful it would smell if they rolled away the stone from the tomb of Lazarus? And yet here, Mary unapologetically pours out 
every last drop onto the feet of Jesus. So let's briefly compare and contrast Mary and Judas from this scripture passage. While they were both a part of Jesus' inner circle, they each had different access to Jesus. Mary, as a woman, would not be able to leisurely sit at his feet and listen to his teachings whenever she wanted. In fact, the one time she does, her own sister Martha objected to her choice to do so. Now, some of you might have heard the story before, which can be found in Luke chapter 10. The Sunday school version is Mary and Martha are hosting Jesus and his disciples. And while Martha is running around doing all the prep, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. So Martha tells Jesus to tell Mary to help her. But Jesus tells Martha that Mary has made the premium choice, and that he would not take it away from her. Contrary to the way most of us were taught the story, Martha wasn't complaining because she had to do all the work by herself. Martha was aware that a woman sitting in the presence of men was a major social faux pas of the time and was concerned about the optics surrounding her sister. But Jesus tells Martha not to worry, and he welcomed Mary and did not perpetuate the societal norms of a woman's place being in the kitchen, so to speak. So symbolically, Mary represents the poor, the silenced, the outcasts, all of whom Jesus routinely invites to draw near to him. And Mary hungrily accepts that invitation and pours everything she has, literally, at the feet of Jesus. Judas, however, had unfettered access to Jesus all the time. So while Mary needed the pretext of washing his feet to come closer to Jesus, Judas was already at the table, comfortably reclining. He's the picture of privilege, considering he's also the group's treasurer. But having a front row seat to all the wondrous things Jesus had been doing for the past three years did nothing to change Judas. I mean, he was eating at the same table with a guy who had been very dead not too long ago. Judas went through all the motions and on the exterior appeared to be an incredibly pious and charitable man, but as we all eventually would learn, his motives were always self-serving. So, what can we take away from this story? I want us to take the time to examine our hearts each time we say we are doing anything for Jesus. In Jesus' honor, as that dinner in Bethany had been. While Martha and Lazarus hosted the party, Martha behind the scenes and Lazarus at the table, Mary anointed the Savior with something so costly that she didn't think was too much to give at all. Judas turns to focus away from Jesus, the guest of honor, and puts the spotlight on himself as though he is the philanthropist of the group. What about the poor, he says, even though they're the furthest thing on his mind. 
when Jesus says, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me, he's not saying to care less about the poor. If anything, he's pointing out the fact that you haven't done anything about the poor before. Why now? Why the sudden interest in helping the poor? It's as though Jesus is saying, you'll always have something to cover up what's truly going on in your heart. But will you always have me in your heart? If I'm being honest, I've been growing so tired of how infused faith and Christianity has become interwoven into the political agenda. Everyone claims that they are the ones who are doing things right, as scripture calls us to do, in Jesus' honor, if you will. But if everyone were to simply stop and be brutally honest with ourselves, very few of us, if any of us, are truly doing as Jesus would. A lot, if not all of us, are claiming to do things for Jesus as Judas did claiming to care for the marginalized, the underrepresented, the oppressed, when really we are looking to bring glory to ourselves or make ourselves feel more comfortable somehow. With regard to the incident that occurred at the Oscars last weekend, I offer you no decisive answer as to who was right and who was wrong, only that Everyone in that story is human and prone to missteps, just like the rest of us, only our missteps aren't televised for a global audience. But I read a great editorial article in the New York Times that talks about how the general sentiment nowadays seems to be that people need to learn to laugh at themselves and to grow thicker skin. I personally have had conversations with people who have said very similar things and how they missed the good old days when people were less sensitive and you didn't have to be so careful about what you say. But the article asks this super profound and eye-opening question. Who does that serve? Meaning, having thick skin is for whose benefit? It's most obviously for the benefit of the aggressors, the ones on the attack, the ones who want to be able to freely spout racist, sexist, and all kinds of inappropriate things without consequence. But is that really so desirable? Do we as a people, no less a people who claim to be Christ-like, think that the ability to once again indiscriminately laugh at the vulnerable is what our society needs again? What if today's Bible story had had a different trajectory? What if Judas, upon seeing what Mary did, asked himself what he could give to Jesus to show his love and devotion instead of belittling Mary's actions to make himself look more pious? What if he had wept and repented for the darkness in his heart that sought to line his own pockets? What if he had joined Mary at the feet of Jesus? And while this story didn't go in any of these directions, ours can. So friends, I invite you this 
fifth Sunday in the season of Lent. Let's start being honest. Before we lash out in self-righteous anger over an issue, before we judge that misfit someone in our church or our community, before we pull out yet another performative action to show that we are doing the religious thing we're supposed to do, let's look inward. Let's ask ourselves the hard questions of why we are reacting and acting this way, and if Jesus is truly at the center of that motivation. And once we can isolate that why, we can move toward truly making it all about Jesus as it should be. We worship because Jesus. We give because Jesus. We serve because Jesus, not for my glory, not for my own recognition, not for my own honor, but in Jesus' honor. Let's pray. God, what a terrifying truth that we can spend our whole lives learning your word and being surrounded by a community of faith and still be the very ones who walk out on you and turn our backs on you. Forgive us for all the times we have used your name to advance our own agenda, for the times we served you on the outside but did so to get recognition for ourselves, and for all the times we declared we loved you but held back from giving you all that we could give. Jesus, were you moved by the price of the perfume Mary spilled on your feet? Or were you looking at her heart and how it was filled to the brim with her love for you? May you give us that same intense and fragrant love and devotion in the way we practice our faith. In your name and in your honor, we pray. <laughs>